Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Hello, hello, and happy Sunday. Hope that you all had a wonderful weekend. Uh, I'm excited to get back and have conversations with everybody. There's so much going on in the news. But I think that the one thing that really um, has this umbrella over everything we talk about is what's going to happen to our democracy as we head into the election season of 2024. I really, I, I got into an argument on Friday. I was, and I and I try not to, you guys. I try very hard to, to not, um, I, I try People generally know my politics if they know me personally, but I happen to be at an event for former lifeguards. We were having an all-years lifeguard reunion for North Avenue Beach, and one of the guys, an older guy, look, these are guards, some of them going back to the 1960s, kind of uh, just set in their ways. And I was just having a conversation with some folks I had I, I was catching up with, and he goes, let me ask you something. Do you like Biden? And you know what? There's nothing easier than giving someone an unequivocal absolutely. I love the work that Joe Biden has done. And he's like, why? What has he done? I said he's been the most successful president since Lyndon B. Johnson when it comes to our infrastructure, when it comes to jobs, when it comes to responding to an emergency that required all hands on deck. He has done uh, he has done a great job in so many different aspects of our lives, helping with student loan debt. Uh, I think that his efforts in the Middle East negotiate a ceasefire uh, is something that, that I get that a lot of people are. Uh, very angry for a lot of reasons and emotional about it. And I, I think that with, the, and look, I hate saying given the circumstances, but seriously, given these circumstances, there is no choice here. The choice is between protecting democracy and letting us fall into the hands of fascists, people who want to control every single part of our lives, from our bodies to who we love to how we educate our children. And uh, that's that's the bottom line. And he could uh, he, And so that was my answer to him. He goes, well, uh, what about what about Hunter Biden? I said, OK, I, I, I will. I will not. I'm not voting for Hunter Biden. Uh, you know, I and he kept asking me about Hunter Biden. Well, what about what about the the, the dealings with Russia and China? And I'm not going to do any whataboutism. I said, hey, he's being investigated. Let's see how this all comes out in the wash. And I uh, I really don't. Uh, and today, you know, Comer came out with this thing. Oh, look, we saw that that Hunter Biden paid uh, Joe Biden. $4,400 in 2018 from his own hidden LLC. For, he was repaying a loan on a truck. Okay. <laughs> is, that, is that what all of this is? It's going to come down to $4,400 in loan repayments. It's the second time he's brought this one up. Uh, but uh, uh, it's just, it's absolutely insane. And and then he asked me, he said, well, uh, what about, you know, all these, you know, what about DeSantis? What do you think of him? I'm like, he's a clown. He's an absolute clown. I said, you know, look, I didn't watch all of the debate between him and Gavin Newsom, Governor Newsom, but I I have seen enough, not only in that debate, but in general, to know that, that he's one of the last people I want to have be president of the United States. And, and every time I would say something, he's like, well, you know, you got a point there. Yeah, I guess you're smarter than me. And that's not what I'm going. I mean, I guess that's. Why people, you know, they do they feel ashamed by their opinion and someone like me seems like a smarty pants. I'm passionate about it. I try to be as informed as possible. If I'm shown new information that challenges what I think, I, I take that into consideration. And ba everyone should be 
having an evolution of opinions based on our circumstances, on evidence in front of us. And uh, and I really, I'm just so tired of people talking about the polls. Oh, well, I'm really nervous about these polls. Stop talking about the polls and start talking about the differences between the policies of these two people. Regardless of who the Republicans put up, we know that Joe Biden is is the guy who is there to protect. He's done it for the last three and a half years, three years. What 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 has he done that is uh is so upsetting to Republicans except for get the job done for Americans? Okay, I'm gonna sit down off my soapbox. Hi everybody. Uh Matt is calling. Hey Matt in Chicago. What's going on, my friends? Hello, Patty. Uh long time to talk. Uh yeah, I've like been wondering. The, uh... No, please go I've ahead. I've been wondering. No, I've been wondering because it's so funny because in the morning I'll hear you call, call Stephanie. I'm like, oh, who's that? how come he call Stephanie and not me? <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> how have you been? Well, it, let's be honest, Betty. If you had somebody as gorgeous as Chris LaVoy, I would probably call you Sean Walter. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but, I'll, start, uh, I'll start sending – I'll start – well, I'll just start doing promo photos of our team. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just no, teasing I, you. I, 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 Chris LaVoy is so strong, he could probably bench press the damn building that the studio is in. But I digress. Um, fair, fair, fair. Folks, let's go. I'm calling because we are talking about the Citizens Act for a second. Now, the Citizens Act was originally made to keep citizens informed of happenings that are going on around Chicago, whether it's a lost pet or a car accident or something major like last week and the uh, cargo container falling over on uh, 90. That was fun. Um, But the Citizens app has turned into what what I can only describe as um, the fear monitor. Um, The amount of stuff that happens to pop up on my Citizens app I, it's surprising I don't start drinking. Um, there, are, there are people getting shot. There are people getting stabbed. There's reports of people walking down the street with axes, with shotguns, with all this stuff. Uh, some of it happens in Lawndale. A lot of it happens everywhere else. A lot of, a lot of happens in Lawndale, though. But um, I, I wanted to ask Patty. Patty, do you think the Citizens Act yes. is a good idea? Because I don't know about you... But I'm, every time I hear that little, the clunk thing go off on my phone, my heart goes mm-hmm. into my chest for a second. Oh, God, what's happening? Well, Matt, okay, I, I'm looking at the page right now. I, I had not, I was not that familiar with this. And I, I agree. And, and it's not just this app, but there are, whether it's, you know, groups on, on Twitter, uh, these neighborhood watch groups, uh, next door groups, um, they do seem to not only amplify some of the most horrific things. Go And look, some of it, there, there was a, a really scary and violent uh, spree of robberies on the northwest side targeting Latino business owners that, you know, I, I'm like you. I was like, I'm, I couldn't stop looking at it and scrolling through it and just my, my heart. And it's um, we can't let it. Uh, affect us. I mean, obviously, it's going to affect us emotionally, right? That's there's that adrenaline rush, there's that fear, there's that anger, and then for me, and seeing like the, the that those instances of violence being used to be really racist. You know, I, I don't know. Is there commentary on Citizens App? Because I'm not that familiar with it. Is it just the, like a fire bi- burning and a 
I'm, I'm seeing a, a fire hydrant. These are the ads for Citizens App. A helicopter rescue from a building. Uh, do they, are they showing you video of all these things too that you can like scroll through? Um, there are some with videos. Um, the majority of the posts that happen don't happen to be where people can video. I, I want to say videotape okay. because I'm ancient, but uh, videotape it. Um, <laughs> right. It, it depends on what you are. I mean, sometimes there, there people get footage of well, people fighting in front of El Jefe on on a hover, and then there's no there's no uh, video of the accident that occurs or whatever. Um, and I, I, you know what? I didn't even think about that. There are a lot of racist people on that app commenting. It is right. it's turning into right. a very, and I don't use this word normally because I hate using this in this term, in this uh, terminology, but it's turning into a very toxic thing. Um, yeah. And it's just a little disconcerting. And I know we have a lot of big things happening. Trump, always Trump. Canine uh, uh, flu, um, uh, Corona, but the Citizens app, and I know it's, I'm pretty sure it's everywhere in the U.S., but um, it, it, it's a cause for Chicago concern because there's never anything positive on that app other than people finding their pets. Yeah, that's the problem, isn't it? I mean, that's what we know instinctively and historically is that violence and despair and rage all sell. And that, I mean, like, I'm looking at how much you're paying for this, by the way. I don't know. Is I mean, has there been something where it has benefited you? I mean, when you do you avoid, you know, crash sites? Are you avoiding? I mean, are there things that you can quantifiably say, OK, this is where this really helped me? Or can you go with like, you know, if it's traffic related, you know, Waze seems to do a decent job of directing you around severe traffic. Is that, I mean, what, what are you benefiting from it aside from the, you know, you're not, obviously it's having a negative impact, but are, can you think of the things where you've gone, you know, this is why it's, it's valuable to me. Outside of traffic, uh, traffic reports, you know, I have a driver. I mean, no. Yeah. And I drop it. Unless right. Well, and Waze is really good. Of course, I'm I, I'm going to reach out to citizen.com and say, hey, change my mind if you want to be. <laughs> just kidding. But I mean, it seems like it's having a negative impact. It's costing you money. I think that Waze, uh, the Waze app, you know, generally does gives you options of like, if you go this way, it'll be six minutes longer. If you go this way, it's you know what I'm saying. Um, and the, have you used Waze? Uh, I have, well, I, I use Waze, I use Google, I use yeah. my car GPS, I use the Uber GPS, all on here, so. Right, right, I gotcha. Yeah, I, I, I think that, it, again, and I think these are the kinds of images that, you know, is not only amplified by companies like this in order to make more money, but this is what, like, Fox News uses, you know, over and over, and, and, I, and I don't know how they... You know, do they pick and choose which stories to share with you? Are there things happening in different neighborhoods? Like you mentioned, a lot goes on in Lawndale. Uh, and, and, you know, part of it is to know what's happening in our city. But do you have other sources for that? And I, I think they're, they're like the tribe is a good paper as far as like stories about communities. Block Club obviously is really good. But in the moment of wanting to know what's happening in the city, 
Uh, let me look into it, but but it sounds like it's having a really negative impact on you, and and I don't, I don't we can't we can't you know control what they put out there and what people want to pay for, right? Of course not. That that that's be yeah. silly. Exactly. Um, yeah. Look, I, I I I don't even know if you were on the air during Thanksgiving because you normally are, but um, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Uh, I'll of course speak to you, you again too. before Christmas. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> Free plug for Warren. Uh, everybody go to European and U.S. car service. They're great. Uh, Warren took care of my car. I got deboned in September. <laughs> and cars, thick and span and brand new. Also, oh, uh, never, uh, never drive a Tesla as a rental. Those things are terrible. Anyway. Oh. Uh, <laughs> at, least, plug, at least now, uh, at least now you know, my friend. And I do hope to hear from you. I love you so much, Matt. Thank you. All right, Did I cut you off? I didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off. Hi. No, 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 no. You can, Patty Louise Vasquez did not cut me off. <laughs> Have a great day, Matt. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And in addition to uh, to Matt's free plug to Warren Price at European U.S. Collision Center, here's his paid plug, our sponsor of Driving at Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. You can find him at 4080 North Broadway. He's got such a, an incredible shop there. And does great work, as Matt just mentioned, uh, body work, mechanical work. And if he can't get it done for you, he knows the best people in town for the best prices. So go to 4080 North Broadway or visit EuropeanUS.com. That's European U.S. Collision Center. And that's 312-248-1200 if you want to give him a call. We also want to thank our friend Kirk Bangstead, who has uh, really been fighting the fight in, in Wisconsin, making sure that we do our best to push back against the right-wing war on education as well as selling some great beer and wine and look he has alcoholic free choices as well like woke coffee nitro coffee in a can so good and you can also pick up uh i know i don't know if he has it available for uh i'm much he does but he's got rainbow soda which is also fantastic and if you go to his website you'll find out more about where he's delivering he's expanded his delivery uh, map and that's exciting for everyone so visit visit his website and visit follow him please follow his story on Twitter, well, mostly on Instagram and Facebook, so you can get caught up with everything he's up to uh, that way. Minocqua Brewing Company, and also we want to thank our friends at Kids Above All. Go to kidsaboveall.org as they continue to collect donations, including toys and uh, all, all kinds of wonderful surprises for kids as we head into the holiday season. Make sure that the kids have this, the same kind of magic we all deserve in our lives. That's kidsaboveall.org. Let's take a break here. We'll continue taking your calls at 773-763-9278. The number again, 773-763-9278. That's the number to call or text us. More in a moment. Hey there, it's your guy, Warren Price from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technicraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200, that's 773-248-1200, or europeanus.com. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. 
And we are back. Uh, so thrilled to have you guys joining us as we drive at home until 7. Coming up at si- at 6 o'clock, we're going to check in with my friends Mark DiCarlo and Yenny Alvarez. They're the hosts of Fork in the – in the no, see, someone te- – Jerry, uh, Jerry texted me earlier. It's Fork on the Road. Uh, they travel around the world and tell you about some of the great places to visit and, of course, eat. And today we're going to talk at 6 o'clock about people who are moving to other parts of the world. Today we're going to focus on – Portugal. I actually have friends that are considering retiring there because of the cost, because of what's happening in the country when it comes to health care and a lot of other elements. So we'll talk to them at 6 o'clock. Coming up at 6.30, we're also going to check in with uh, our good friend from Co-op's Vote, which is a nonpartisan project of Americans' elective electric cooperatives. So we are going to check in with Laura from Co-op Votes at 6.30. So let's uh, take some of our calls. I know Jim in Chicago has been on hold. Hey, Jim, what's on your mind, my friend? Hi, Teddy. Smarty pants. I haven't heard that in quite a spell. I say if the pants fit, wear them. <laughs> Smarty pants. I haven't heard that one in a while. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the president's got a great uh, commercial out about the Affordable Care Act. He's got a nurse for 20 years who describes the up and downs of the you know of uh, the price of medicine, and now under the uh, previous president who was rising, and under uh, our present president, the Democratic president. I mean, uh, drugs are going down. Uh, with Biden, uh, with four more years, probably expanded even greater. Uh, Trump wants to re- repeal it. They're just dying to repeal it. But if it wasn't for McCain, Senator McCain, uh, he didn't uh, do Charles Koch yep. bidding and put the thumbs down on it. We'd yep. be stuck with this with this Republican idea that it's every man for himself and every woman for themselves, and just tough luck for you. You know, we might yep. be the greatest. We might be the greatest uh, country on earth, but. Yet we can't uh, seem to uh, dispense the medicine under uh, in any kind of a uh, meaningful way. But then that's the nerve. He's going to repeal. Who's going to run on? Run <laughs> Or they, you know they like to do? They like to repeal Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, SNAP programs, uh, uh, the minimum wage, uh, unions. They like to get rid of. <laughs> To go back to, you know, the nineteenth, uh, the Robert Barons of the start of the dawn of the twentieth century. Anyway, smarty pants. <laughs> take care. Take care, dear. Hey, everybody. My computer crashed. That was a first. I was like talking to Jim, and then all of a sudden, nothing. Anyway, I know that Jim was talking about healthcare, and I've been thinking about this over the last uh, few days. Is completely a system built to make money for these big companies. The bureaucracy between the doctors and the healthcare industry, and then what that that really untenable uh, burden of payments between our what we the services we get and uh, and what the doctors are trying to bill for. They're trying to capture their uh, ability to make money, capture uh, their cost for services. And the way they do it is is absolutely insane. And so I agree with Jim that, you know, the Republicans have no plan. Trump has said he's going to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. He's going to get rid of Obamacare because 
everything that Republicans do is about revenge, retribution. Show me a single somebody. I know we have conservatives listening, and and I I, want to know about this specifically. What did Trump do to fulfill his promise while he was in office to give us a beautiful thing, a beautiful new health care system? Because it never happened, folks. And not only that, he threw away the rule book in the event that a worldwide pandemic broke out. So we didn't even have things that were put into place during the Obama administration, in part because of the response to Ebola, which was a threat, and we were able to contain it. There were people that flew into the United States. And instead of using the information and the experience that they developed during that time, Fox News just spent months. You remember this? This is how we lost some of our midterm races, was the fear hyped up by the Fox News saying that Obama they had no plan to address the outbreak of Ebola. And in part of that, I mean, it's always about the racist element as well, whether it's, you know, oh, Africa is sending us Ebola and, you know, Obama can't protect us. Well, he did. And, he, and because of that, he had experts make sure that if there was any outbreak, that there was a plan in place. Because we were caught not only with our pants down, but with, I mean... <laughs> It was was a catastrophic response to a worldwide pandemic. There wasn't even the ability of hospitals to gather data and communicate with each other with what they were seeing with people coming into the ER. There was no plan in place. They did not. They did not communicate with hospitals, with uh, with state health health organizations. And instead, he decided to use it to punish black and brown people when he saw that it was urban areas that had higher rates of covid figured, you know what, I'm going to I'm just going to let them all die. I'm going to let them get sick. They don't vote for me anyway. And then when it was when they realized it was more people in red areas because they didn't want to mask, they didn't want to vaccinate. That's when he had his response and tried to say, oh, I'm vaccinated. But here's it. And I'm going to get all the vaccinations out. It's going to be a beautiful thing. But the the problem is that people were already dying and it was too late. Uh, Let's take a break here and I'm going to see if I can reconnect with my computer. And we'll be right back after this on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. We are driving it home until 7. And I know we have a, we've got a lot of news stories to talk about, but I almost forgot. I traveled this weekend, and I think for the first time uh, in my life, I can say I had a remarkably pleasant flight. I mean, I look, I've had good flights before. I've had, you know, I've had definitely uh, situations with fellow passengers that uh, could be contentious. Uh, my approach with people who are incre- incredibly irate is to be, uh, I guess, the best way to describe it would be cheerfully aggressive. <laughs> Or aggressively cheer, aggressively cheerful. Because I'm not aggressive. Like I don't, I don't get in their faces about things. But uh, for example, I had a, a woman um, who felt that I had bumped her with my backpack. Which I, you know, if she had said, "Hey, you hit me with your backpack," I would have been like, "I'm so sorry. I didn't realize it." And backpacks can be a problem. I, I don't use a roller bag that often anymore when I fly. But I may go back because I do know that it can can be a problem. I try to put it in the front. But this, I bumped this woman. I was trying to make way for an elderly woman who I, I was uh, I was blocking her seat 
and I was waiting for someone, you know, and you're on the aisle, you're trying to, people are putting their bags up, and some people want to get to their seat, and you, you just barely, you know, you have a couple inches you can move for someone to squeeze in behind you. So I backed up to let her into her seat, you know, nice lady, and she was, as I backed up, I apparently bumped a passenger, and she, you guys... She shoved me so hard, I landed in the laps of the people across the aisle from her, which is just not a situation I ever thought I would find myself in. And I, I'm, <laughs> it was very shocking to be lying across these people's laps, and I had to gently sort of like peel myself off them and, and apologize to them. And then I turned around to her, and I said, Aw, is it your first time flying? Maybe we can ask the pilot to give you some wings. So that's usually my approach with people. It's, and I will say that's just one of the many times I've, I've come across uh, hostile passengers. But this flight over the weekend, everyone, I don't know what it was. I don't know if, uh, I, I, honestly, if they were just happy about where they were going or uh, everyone took a, a, an edible before they got on the flight. I could not tell you. The woman in front of me was uh, about to put her seat back and she looked back at me and she goes, do you mind if I reclined? And I was like, thank you so much for asking. It was really, it was very nice of you. And this is, now this is silly. I, uh, I was, I, I, I don't like the window seat because um, invariably I will have to excuse myself to go to the restroom and I hate having to wake someone up or, uh, you know, have them get up. So I tend to get the aisle seat, but the only seat left was at the window and I didn't mind it because I can curl up against the window and take a nap. And uh, so I, I, uh, <laughs> The woman next to me, uh, really also very nice, the guy on the, on the aisle, we all kind of were very, uh, having a nice little conversation. And at one point when I, we, the guy was napping and she couldn't take it, I guess. And she woke him up and said, I have to go to the bathroom. So I, I thought, well, as long as he's up, I will also go. And then he, <laughs> it was like a group trip to the restroom. Cause he, he also went <laughs> to the restroom and, uh, I, just everybody on the flight, that's just an example of my row, but Everyone was very nice, and people were like, "Oh, can I get your bag for you, for you from the up from the overhead?" I've never seen anything like it. Is what I'm telling you. So, I hope that everyone on that plane uh, noted how lovely it was to be nice to each other and and pass that along, and because it does. Being kind to each other has a ripple effect, whether you're in traffic, whether you're at the airport, whether you're with your relatives. It, you know, but but every little nudge. Whether it's, you know, someone cutting you off in traffic, flipping you off, or at the grocery store and being rude in line, you carry that energy with you. And maybe that's a little bit of what I was uh, talking with Matt about earlier and having this Citizens app that amplifies all these horrifying, you know, violent things that are going on, whether it's an accident or a robbery or uh, someone's getting attacked. Uh, you know, we carry that energy with us. We, we, and it impacts the way we treat ourselves and how we treat other people. So I would really recommend finding, you know, trying to be mindful of how things are affecting you emotionally. Because we do, I mean, it's, it's just part of, uh, this, is, this is the other thing I was going to mention earlier about how if it bleeds, it leads, and it sells. Selling rage and fear, it, it is, there's a lot of money in that. We've seen that over the last decade with social media. The mo- we had people testify that worked for Facebook saying, oh, yeah, you know, we, we fixed the logarithm so that, you know, the negative stories were, were pushed up and, and we saw that there was so much more interaction with that. And they make money off of that because it's more eyeballs on advertisements. And sure, you know, cat videos and puppy videos, those get a lot of views. 
but nothing makes as much money as rage. And the thing is that rage is contagious, and I really believe that's what's happening in the Republican Party I, and, and with right-wing extremists. They, they've gotten to this point of rage that no more new information that con- contrasts or conflicts with what they now believe can get through anymore. And you just, I think part of it is self-care taking, you know, when you change the way you look at something, right, rather than assuming the worst or, or being, you know, feeling as though it's a a personal attack or of course, that's why this group of people behaves that way. I know that asking the why, why is this happening? What, what is happening in communities where there's violence and it's spilling over into other neighborhoods or into the streets? People just, they continue to be really locked into this hatred of black people, of brown people, of poor people, uh, saying that, you know, well, what do you expect from them? We just, you know, we should, we should just round people up. And it doesn't, it's not beneficial to anyone. And I say this over and over again, the corporations, the uber wealthy, they are benefiting from us going after each other. And I'm not saying, look, I know that people like wearing the eat the rich you know, shirts. I, I, I don't. I really don't begrudge people from being successful. I don't at all. I would love to be a millionaire. I would love to be in a position where I'm comfortable enough to travel to make sure that Declan has everything. My son who has disabilities, uh, severely dis- disabled. I would love to know that I have enough money to make sure he has everything he needs for the rest of his life. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about the uh, the really outrageous wealth that has been consolidated by a very small portion of our population that continues to have absolutely catastrophic impact on our entire country. And and we somehow, we don't notice that. We don't notice the $400 billion in white-collar crimes that leaves our pockets every single year. They Every time you get a banking fee, they are thrilled that you didn't have the minimum requirements of transactions, and now they're going to charge you $12. They are taking, <laughs> that one's, I've never understood, the, the fees for not having uh, enough money in the, in the bank to... <laughs> take some out. Well, you didn't you didn't take enough money out of the bank this week or this month. So we're going to go ahead and take $12 from you. And we've talked about this in the last few weeks with how expensive things are. When inflation was continuing to grow, all the Republicans were like, "Oh, it's all Obama's it's all his fault. Gas prices are high because it's his fault." And yet now that gas prices have dropped, and now that, you know, the chain of supply lines have stabilized, we are still, the gas prices have dropped, but the grocery store prices, all the, all the things, you know, whether it's uh, retail, the, the, the cost of goods has stabilized. Inflation was flat for October. And part of this, and I know that there is movement in D.C. to get to the bottom of the, the price gouging and continuing because, look, if, if we paid it then, why, why would they lower the prices back down? They are making money. Uh, during inflation, the biggest amount of money, I mean, they continue to make record profits. And we continue to be in deeper and deeper debt. And I, I really don't know how we continue to, uh, to sustain this. And, and they don't care. The uber wealthy, the very powerful don't care that we are struggling and that and they enjoy watching us go after each other because it means more money for them and if we continue down this path if we're going to be all upset about polling numbers and oh you know is he can he get the job done folks he is 
getting the job done. And I am all in with Biden. I am all in with Kamala Harris. Uh, we're ready to get this done. And we, we need to make sure that we keep talking about what is important. Because across the country, as a result of what President Trump did in appointing his Supreme Court, just in that part of it alone, states all over the country are trying to continue to control the way we live our lives. There was a woman in Ohio who had a miscarriage. And they, she was at the hospital and they told her to go home and go. She was going, she would just, just flush the miscarriage. And then she was nearly brought up on manslaughter charges because no state that is trying to control women's bodies has any idea how to enforce any of this. And in the absence of having a clear cut plan, they are punishing women for I don't know, I guess existing for having a health issue that is completely is completely manageable and can be addressed and treated. But because we first have to ask an attorney in the emergency room, can we can we evacuate this this pregnancy because the the fetus is no longer viable? They've had a miscarriage, but because they don't know what to do in the moment, they're like, well, you know, if we if we give her treatment, if we give her an abortion, we can be sued for that. So in the absence of knowing what to do, they send her home, and now the authorities are involved for manslaughter. There's another woman that served two years of, of prison time. And this is, this is before, I believe it's from before Roe v. Wade was overturned. She, uh, had a, she decided to have a home birth, and she had to call uh, an ambulance because she, the, 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 uh, it was a, there was a stillbirth. She was charged with manslaughter. And is now all, dro- all charges have been dropped, but not before she served two years in prison. This is a uh, this is it's just horrifying, absolutely horrifying. I uh, and we're going to see more and more stories like this. I know in Texas there are a group of women who are suing Texas because they are not now no longer able to have they're no longer able to have babies because of the harm done by non viable pregnancies and the, the doctors could not treat them. And it is uh, we're going to see this over and over and over again. And in Missouri, our, we're going to check in with our good friend Jess Piper in the next couple of weeks because Missouri uh, today is a day that their legislators can start uh, sharing the legislation that they plan to present. And a lot of it has to do with LGBTQ rights, whether it's gender bathrooms. Oh no, uh, <laughs> gender neutral bathrooms are not a threat to you. It has nothing to do with you when someone wants to go to the bathroom. And I've said this over and over again. Nobody leaves the house saying, oh, I can't wait to use the ladies' room, even though my birth certificate says something else. Nobody leaves the house going, I can't wait to be in the men's room. And we see Republicans all over the country say things like, oh, I, the only reason a man wants to go into a women's bathroom is to, you know, I'm a man, so I know what they want to do in there. Give me a break. And uh, so in Missouri, the legislature, the Missouri legislature has announced 21 bills that target the LGBTQ plus community for just in the first day of their pre-filing. And this is uh, absolutely unconscionable. Uh, It is 21 bills, you guys, 21 bills. They include book bans, criminal sanctions on teachers distributing sexually explicit reading materials, which, by the way, is left up in many other places to just one person saying this this book offends me and children should not read this. Uh, There are further bans on gender affirming care. Uh, There's a potential bathroom ban. There are online obscenity laws. Uh, One bill would would use the state librarian system to remove funding from libraries that 
provide age-inappropriate materials or host age-inappropriate events throughout the state. And most of these bills are without anything actually triggering the need for that. We saw that with the Colorado case again in front, in front of the Supreme Court. It was a, I don't care what this one was. Oh, a website designer who said, I don't want to have to design a, a page for a gay couple, even though they didn't have any clients. It was a hypothetical case and the Supreme Court ruled in favor of the website designer. There's a, anyway, 21 bills. This is crazy. And it's going to continue to happen. And if we reelect, if we allow President Trump to have that office again, it's not it's not it, it, it is going to be one of those things where, oh, well, I'm not gay or I'm not I, I'm not planning on, on getting pregnant. These things don't affect you. This will all affect you. Women's health is economy. LGBTQ, if, if that's your thing, if that's, Republicans always say it's about the economy. The, these are all economy related too, because we are part of this country. We're a part of the society and we have we all have something to contribute and we all deserve equal protection. So let's take a break here. We'll come back after this on WCPTA 20, Heartland Signal. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez. In your communities in Chicago. On WCPT 820. I'm curious uh, if you guys, if you are on Twitter, if there are certain uh, certain contributors there that you follow. Of course, we follow Renato Mariotti, who is a regular on the show. We all, I also like uh, Ellie Mistal. Uh, there's a lot of great legal minds who break down some of the cases. And I mentioned the Supreme Court and the, obviously Roe v. Wade and the Dobbs decision has had such an incredible uh, negative impact on women and families all across the country. And they're going to hear more cases in regards to women's health. They're, this week, on Friday, they're going to consider the pri- uh, in their private conference because I think the decision will come back uh, later in the year. But they are they're going to take on mifepristone, which is the, uh, the the pill that terminates a pregnancy. And you know whether it was uh, Texas that said you know well this is the FDA you know decided on this uh, way too uh, too fast. Although it's been it's been <laughs> it, it's been a much longer period of time than uh, so many other medications that are out there. And and from what I understand, mifepristone is safer to take than Tylenol, but that does not matter when it comes to these people that want to have a, a really uh, catastrophic, and I've said that now three times. <laughs> hey, Patty keeps saying catastrophic. I don't know, tragic, um, horrific impact on, on people's lives and trying to plan their own futures, and I, I really, I, I can't, I'm sorry, I, I read this story earlier today about the woman in Ohio who was brought up on charges of manslaughter, and now, I, I don't know if it's in response response to the backlash that they decided to um, drop the charges, but it's going to continue to happen and they're going to continue to, they're like the, the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park where they keep trying to find the weaknesses in the fence and they're going to try to keep trying to find ways in which to, because uh, ultimately when they find a case, they can take to the Supreme Court and say, look, this, you know, this was murder. That's where we're going to be in a lot of trouble. This is, that's where, that's where we're headed is to, is to say that it's murder. President Trump, former President Trump, but, uh, you know, President Trump said that he wanted, he felt that women should be punished, that doctors should be punished for abortions. So uh, it's only going to get worse. So the case I was mentioning in Ohio, um, 33-year-old Brittany Watts was charged with felony abuse of a corpse back in, and this was in November. And uh, they said that she had, um, she was 22 weeks pregnant. She had a miscarriage. And here's the thing. There are women 
There are women who have miscarriages and don't even know that they were pregnant because there are spontaneous miscarriages. This was when Governor, uh, when Vice, former Vice President Mike Pence was governor of Indiana. This was a big outrage because they had to, in the hospitals, they had to document miscarriages as deaths and they, you know, there had to be uh, provisions for funerals in order, in the efforts to establish a fetus personhood. That's what they, that's the goal of right-wing conservatives is to say that a fetus, that life begins at conception and that life has personhood. And so say that the fact that a woman miscarried in 22, in the 22 weeks of her pregnancy, and the the fetus came out in her bathroom, in the toilet. And this happens every day around the world. Women spontaneously miscarry. And for whatever reason, and now they want to either charge with with uh, with felonies, with uh, manslaughter. And in this case, it was abuse, felony abuse of a corpse because they wanted to be able to prosecute her. And... Uh, it's just, it is unbelievable. It's you. This is the kind of thing that you know. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about when these charges are typically brought up. Uh, and then there was there. There's so many cases like this happening around the country, and it's going to get worse because they want to be able to take it to the Supreme Court and say, "See, we charged her successfully with with murder, uh, or with uh, you know, again in this instance with mis uh, miscarriage of uh, miscarriage abuse of a corpse." Really horrific outcomes, and uh, I, I don't know how uh, we can even take the chance of saying, "Well, I don't like Biden because of these decisions or this policy." Guess what? We won't have any policy that helps anyone if we do not make sure that we have Joe Biden in the White House for the next four years. Uh, I really, I'm, it makes me so angry that we continue to have these conversations. So that's so one of the cases the, that the uh, Supreme Court will be hearing. Uh, this week, uh, as they, pre- they they prepare for their uh, uh, docket, is uh, Mifepristone, and then the other one is um, it, it, the, there's all kinds of arguments that, quite honestly, because I, I didn't go to law school, <laughs> they're definitely uh, above they go above my head. But Idaho is becoming one of the most extreme states in the country when it comes to abortion restrictions. Um, Idaho has asked the Supreme Court for an injunction on appeals because there are, they have been in Idaho able to go around some of the uh, extreme uh, policies and restrictions for uh, for women. Just they're just trying to live their lives safely. Some women are planning a family and things go horribly wrong. Some women are in a situation where they don't want to be pregnant and want to be able to make that choice. We were up in, and, and the idea that we have to say, well, in certain, we can agree. Like, I love Scott Santos. You guys know that I'm, I'm a fan of him personally. And, uh, but when we get to the, well, you, Patty, you can agree that there should be some restrictions. There are restrictions. Doctors do not terminate pregnancies in the, in the lat, like this whole, uh, partial births and all these lies that they've been spreading successfully for years. Their, their doctors are not ripping babies out of the womb that are alive and then terminating their lives. It is not happening. And Scott will, no one can show us any evidence of that. And rather there, there is, there are restrictions within the medical community and their own guidelines and by state. 
So we, it's, it is the, the reason, because when they say, well, there should be restrictions and in certain circumstances they can, and then they have to prove that. Tell, I, I've never had anyone be, be able to explain to me that, okay, we're going to talk about in the cases of rape and incest. That's the one people talk about all the time. So now we're going to, we're going to, I guess, have a due process for somebody. Be, it, it, we already don't believe women when they say that they are, have been sexually assaulted. So now they have to go through that entire process. The majority of sexual assault cases aren't even reported. So now all of a sudden the police are going to believe a woman. The judicial system is going to believe a woman and give her the, uh, what we, I need a letter from a, from a judge saying you can have this abortion. Are you kidding me? This is a, uh, it, 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 it's it's really horrifying uh, what is happening around this country. And I know that it has mobilized people in elections in, in uh, Ohio and in West Virginia, uh, less so in places, uh, obviously, like in Texas. I, I really don't know how people go back to the polling, you know, the, to the booths and say, yeah, this this is going really well. I want more of this. Uh, it, it, and then it, they're just they're such outrageous hypocrites on so many levels, whether it's the, the refusal to address the gun violence in this country. You cannot be this you know champion of life, allegedly, and say it's OK for people to have weapons that can rip a child's body in half. And the only way they can be identified is by their gym shoes. Come on. Oh my God! I I didn't know I was going to get this angry on a Monday. I can't wait to talk to our guests in the next hour. But I I guess it's that argument that I had with uh, with you know this guy just uh, just trying to have a beer with friends and former coworkers and meet some new people from previous years. Uh, uh, we had a lifeguard reunion for those of you joining us. I was a lifeguard at North Avenue Beach, and I, I caught up with a, a lot of my my former coworkers and, and still friends. And then there were guards from other other generations going back to the '60s, and uh, I, I just I, you know yelling at I, I he brought it up. He asked me a question and then got mad at my answer that he he got a full throated voice of support for Joe Biden. I am I am a Democrat who's proud of the work that he has done, and we need to make sure that people know that the the work he has done has benefited. And I know it's not getting to people fundamentally; they're not seeing it. Uh, we are deeper in debt. Many of us made it through the, the pandemic. Maybe, you know, not as frugal as we would have liked to have been. It was a traumatic time, uh, maybe carrying a little more debt. And it's scary coming through, you know, every month. So we're not necessarily feeling it. And the prices are higher. And it's the we need to continue to have people who are serious about solving these problems. Because I guarantee you, uh, you know, talking about, I mean, Trump came after Jimmy Carter. What? I'm sorry. The guy is in mourning. And he, this is this is who you want to attack at your rallies. This is what makes your base excited. And by the way, going back to what our friend Matt uh, said earlier uh, about uh, about uh, these apps that show you all the the scary things that are happening. Uh, you know, I I, I do get uh, I get I do get sucked into the the rage of seeing the despicable things that. Uh, that Republicans are doing and want to do the way they they talk about human beings. Uh, I am not at all convinced that the people who say they are Christians actually understand what being a Christian means. Um, okay, let's in a little bit we're gonna we're gonna switch gears a little bit. We're gonna continue having important conversations, and we're gonna talk with my friends uh, Yenny Alvarez and Mark DiCarlo about 
Uh, well, they're, they're the hosts of Fork on the Road. Uh, they travel all over the world and find the most incredible places to visit, great food to eat. And they have a, a, you know, a social approach to this as well because uh, they've been talking to folks who have moved to Portugal. They recently visited. Uh, you can find them on Facebook. They uh, were on Facebook Live yesterday with uh, on the gl- Global Travelers. Uh, travel, of course, has become very popular. All of us were pent in for a long time during the pandemic, and now we want to see the world. So uh, let's take a break here, and when we come back, we'll catch up with my friends on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Oh my God, this is the first time we've done it this way. I am with my friends Yeni Alvarez and Mark DiCarlo. Hola, hola. Hi, hi. You don't want to say hi, Mark? I'll just say hi in English. <laughs> How you, I'll say hi in Chicago. How you doing? <laughs> How you doing? How you people over there doing? Incredible performers. Sitting in the bar waiting for the game to start. <laughs> do you, it's funny, is it, do you, when, as a Chicagoan, do you say the G in Wisconsin? I say Wisconsin. There's a G in Wisconsin? Instead of the C. I say Wisconsin. Wisconsin? Wisconsin. I just say the Dells. The Dells. Whether it's the Dells or not. <laughs> the Dells. The Dells. Yanny, Yanny, uh, My cousin uh, lived Yanny. down the street from Tommy Bartlett. <laughs> now, Yanny, when you met Mark, yes. did you notice his Chicago accent? Was it no. unique to. No? No. So it's because we're Midwesterners. See, we blend, <laughs> we blend right in, Mark. Well, you've been out and in also Los Angeles. Accent, I've been here a long so time. And, like, but if I hang around you or my other Chicago friends for about an hour. <laughs> Then it all comes back. Yeah. We're I, talking about the Bears or the Cubs or the Hawks. Yeah. Comes back. <laughs> it comes back. I know. I'm sorry. That's not sexy. Over, over my hair. <laughs> so use, uh, use design all this yourselves? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So you just buy these things or you steal them? <laughs> Mark and Yenny are incredible actors, performers, and together, well, one, they're a lovely couple. They're one of my, they're one of my favorite couples. Ah, he's all right. They're also, the, they're also travel hosts. They have, uh, they have a book called A Fork on the Road, and they're, they are featured on Global Travelers and, and amongst many other other places. And one of the things that you've been focusing on uh, that we talked about yesterday is mm-hmm. people who are relocating to other parts of the world. And you've talked about Portugal. Um, and I have friends who are already buying a condominium. They intend to retire there. Yep. And so you're talking to folks that are thinking the same too. So yeah. tell, And so, people that are there already. Right. We have expats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what were the people you've talked to that already live there? What were their reasons for moving? Uh, ease of living. Uh, and they retire there because it's First of all, it's cheaper. Yeah, your money goes farther. There's a lot of expats that speak English. Yeah. Right. The food is better because um, they have higher regulations over there. So they don't have, you know, as many things as they put in the food here. Um, oh. Yeah. And it's just kind of a more mellow lifestyle. The the We, we do a show every week, whether it's a new podcast or a live AMA. Uh, and uh, the person we talked with last week, we call her uh, Lisbon Liz. She's been living in Lisbon for four years after living her whole life here in America. And she moved there because she wanted an easier life and a more um, uh, a happier life. So now she walks everywhere. She goes to the square. She drinks. She eats. She talks to people from all over the world. And it sounds like she's really enjoying she looked And she great. has a Didn't great nightlife. Great? She's, she looked amazing. Yeah. Um, and again, the money goes a lot further and you're in a place where you're already in Europe. So if you want to go to Italy, you want to go to Spain, you want to go anywhere there, it's like 
forty dollars to fly. There's sixty dollars to fly. Well, so, they still use euros in well in, euros in euros Excuse in England. Me. Well, you're betrayed. I mean, if you if we're travel experts, we say euros. If we're guys in Berwyn, we say, eh, thirty, forty dollars get 30 you bucks. thirty bucks get you over by there. <laughs> over by there. Over by there. Which by the way, I have that's, to that's her, let me hear your Chicago accent. Over again. by there. Oh man. I don't know. <laughs> I can't do Chicago accent. I can only do Latino accents. Can you you can't do can you do Minnesota? We're no. also earlier now in Minneapolis St. Paul, so we have friends listening in Minneapolis. Oh jeez, I was just Very there nice. doing this charity event for the wild. What oh a, really? What a great organization they are. We raise a lot of money for kids. What's the wild? The NHL hockey team. Oh, I didn't know Minneapolis that. Paul. <laughs> oh no! I just what? lost my entire <laughs> Minneapolis St. Wow. Paul listenership. Wow! What's that sound? That's the click <laughs> of radios and computers turning off. What did I tell you the other night? That for the first time, for the first time in a decade, I don't have to pretend that I understand hockey. I know, but have you ever seen a game live? It's the most exciting you, live sport. Yeah, live. In the it's world. exciting, but who's going to go there and freeze? The people in Minnesota go there live to there. <laughs> They go over by there to the games. Well, look, look. The hockey fandom is is massive, and people are very uh, committed to yeah. their their teams. It is exciting. I, I just, I just, I didn't grow up on it. We talked about how the Blackhawks. Have you never, been to a game? Oh, I used Live? to. I used to sit in the box. <gasps> well, because I was, I worked for a station that carried the oh Blackhawks. See, to, that's I went to championship games. <laughs> we just won. won okay. five. Hey. Three cups in five years. No big deal. Hey, uh, back at the station, if we could edit out the part where I said, who's the wild? Uh, <laughs> that would be really helpful. And, <laughs> that, was, that was a weird Well, place. they're a relatively new team. They've only Thank been you. since the 90s. Oh. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I don't know. Well, there were, there were the Minnesota North Stars. Then yes. that team moved to Dallas. And then after have, a couple of years. hockey in Dallas? Yeah, the Dallas Stars. They, okay. won, the, they won the Stanley Cup. And the Nashville Raptors. Uh, no, it's mm. the Nashville Thrash. I forget what the name I is. I thought it was Raptors. No, that's uh, that's basketball. Oh, Nashville see, Thrashers. We've gotten this I off. Think. I've gotten this Thrasher off. Thrasher Raptors. Potato, <laughs> tomato. <laughs> potato, <laughs> potato. The Na- Nashville sells out every game. Anyway, um, uh, in Europe, where we were just talking about, yes, thank there's, you. there's nice. hockey all over the place. There's uh, Switzerland, Italy, Finland, Norway, uh, Spain, Germany, Italy. They all have. Big strong hockey program. Yes, so like but, if the, you're, but the dominant game there is soccer everywhere. Right. Except, but it's also the US. more popular. Hockey is more popular than you think in Europe because, yes. like, if you're a good player and you can't make the NHL, you can go to Europe and play and be a professional player there. By the way, I'm also only because of Ted Lasso. Do I? Oh watch my god, yes. soccer. That's so much fun. <laughs> I, don't watch I love Ted Lasso. It's very good. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and, and can you get uh, Apple Plus in? Lisbon, I'm imagining. See how I try to bring it back to you. Do yeah, you're, I'm, I'm you're an anchor? I'm. Uh, I'm trying. And by the way, I want to let folks know if you have any questions for Yenny and Mark about relocating or visiting Portugal or seven, travel in general or travel in general seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. That's seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. That's the number to call or text us because I've never been to Portugal. And mm-hmm. one of my questions was if because I, I speak minimal Spanish, obviously most uh, mostly English. It's nowhere near Portuguese. No, exactly. No. People always think that it might because they're so close to each but other. Ne- it no. doesn't. I, I couldn't understand but, the word. But are there any like? But you mentioned that a lot of people do speak English in Portugal because that was what I found. Yeah, but at least in Lisbon and Cascais in Sintra, okay. were, Yeah, we yeah. didn't have any problems. It's a huge community of expats. Actually, there's a uh, community called Comporta, and it's expats from everywhere, like uh, uh, Britain and um, uh, Holland, and who else? Uh, Germans. 
And, Everywhere. Yeah, and it's filled with expats. And one of the reasons is Portugal, like a lot of uh, European countries, they're losing their younger generations to America or to big cities or tech jobs. So I know you can buy a house for a dollar in Sicily. Portugal has a lot, had a lot. It's changed in the last two years, but they had a lot of cheap real estate. So that's another reason that people were moving there is they could buy a really nice house for a, yeah, a third of what you would pay for. Yeah, it but it's getting higher now. Like um, oh, sure. last year or a year and a half ago, um, when Liz, Lisbon Liz was looking, um, I started looking online and you can get a badass studio in like a resort style community for like $50,000. Really? Yeah. But yes. it's, it's a little bit more expensive now, but it's still the beginning of that gold rush. And because of that, the country is actively recruiting people from outside the country to come and live there. So English is, you know, it's the lingua yeah. franca. Everyone speaks English. So that's, a lot of Americans are moving uh, to Comporta as well. Si. It's, a, it's easy. Si. It's the easiest. Si, si. It's the easiest. The way you slip it in. Comporta. <laughs> it's one of the easiest ways to, you know, uh, one of the easiest places where you can get your citizenship and, and your your passport there. Um, I think the way she did it was she got there on a visa and in five years she can apply for her citizenship. Well, she and- goes through it. All, she goes through all the steps in the um, in the uh, podcast episode, 10 Reasons to Move to Portugal, which you could find on my YouTube channel, Mark DiCarlo, or you can find at Global Traveler USA. Dot com. Okay. You can watch the whole episode. She goes through, uh, you get a two-year visa, then a three-year visa. Then if you want to stay permanently and get a citizenship, you have to take a test, and the test is in Portuguese. Uh, so you basically yeah, but by have, then, in five years, you would hope. Yeah. Right. They have well, health care. Oh, yeah. uh, if you're a citizen, the health care is free. If you're not a citizen, if you're just on a visa, you pay a small amount every month. And she said the medical is great. Uh, it's so, like she said, shockingly inexpensive. Yeah. Uh, someone had their teeth cleaned and a crown put in for sixty euros. I don't know how much sixty euros is. It's about like seventy dollars. That's really good. Yeah, it a is. crown. Uh huh. Okay, let's go. Not like a king, <laughs> a king's crown. No, I understand in your, that. In your yes, face. I might not know who the wild are. Just, but <laughs> you know what crowns? I was trying I know, to make I know sure you're dental, following along. Dental work, although well, tell me more about crowns. <laughs> <laughs> Did you talk Maybe. to any? Did you talk to anybody who moved there because they couldn't take the political t- temperature of the United States anymore? Was that a, a factor for anybody, or is it like one element of it? Because I think it's an element. I mean, there's so much uh, fractious discord in America right now, especially if you're looking to retire. You know, if you're 60, 70 years old and you're just tired of all the BS here, um, it's easier to go to. Lisbon or Italy or Spain. Not that those countries are any less chaotic, but they're certainly generally more homogenous. Okay. You know, I think America's greatest strength is also our weakness that's being exploited by people who hate the country, which is get everyone who is different to turn against each other. That's and what, that's you know, in about. Norway, everyone's basically the same. In in <laughs> right. right the the the. the the population is much more homogenous, so it's harder to divide people by saying, oh, look, there's a brown person who's stealing your stuff. There's a black person who's stealing your stuff. There's, you know, it doesn't, it's not as easy. Here, because everyone, in theory, is welcome, if you're a law-abiding citizen, um, it's easier to turn people against each other. And I think unscrupulous people in the political world, that's what they do, and that's how they make money to send their kids to private schools. Right. And do are there communities like LGBTQ plus communities where if people are seeking out, you know, friendly tribe in Portugal? Do, do you have you talked to anybody about? 
Uh, we did see a lot of the rainbow flags okay. in the nightlife uh, district, and the, there were a lot of uh, there were bars that mm -hmm. I mean, welcome everybody. There were everybody was so nice. I, I don't think it was that divided. Well, there's a big yeah. I love the nightlife, and you know me, I I, I like to boogie. boogie. <laughs> um, it's a there's a big artistic community there, and you know whenever yes. there's artists, there are the LGBTQ people there uh, making all the good stuff. So I, again, we were there for a week. Five days? How long were Five we? Five days. And, and right? it yeah. seemed very, uh, very joyful, very fun place to hang out. The food was great. If you make it to Sintra, please go to Fato, F-A-T-T-O. It was... It's a restaurant. It's a restaurant by Chef Claudio Coelho. And uh, I think that man deserves a Michelin star. <laughs> I've been saying <laughs> it forever. I know, I know. If I, if I had the power, I would. Did you, did you know about the origin of the Michelin? I'm sure as travelers, you guys know that it was by the Michelin yeah. Tire. I had no idea yeah. it was the Michelin Tire Company because yeah. they wanted to encourage people to travel. travel. Do you need to let your dog no, in? No, he's, he's fine. Yeah. Uh, you, can well, Mo, you can let Mojo in. The same thing with AAA or, you know, color televisions were popularized by the RCA company. They sold color TVs at a huge loss to get people to buy color TVs, just like they did with radio. When radio first came in, people were selling radios at a loss to get people to buy the radios. So it's the same thing. To get the advertising into the Right, homes. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so here's a question. We have a question. From oh, yeah, a texting question a text, or a calling a question? A texting question. So 773-763-9278 if you have a question for Yenny Alvarez. Coach, and I heard someone at the airport at the uh, rental desk say 773. I'm like, hey, sister. And she did not want to talk to me. <laughs> I'm from where you are. <laughs> And she was like, get away from me, lady. She's like, yeah, I saw you on the plane. I, uh, <laughs> but she's from L.A. That's why she didn't want to talk to you. <laughs> That's one of the reasons. We are. Let's take a break here and we'll get to this question. Okay. I'm, and uh, I want to invite folks to give us a call or text us at 773-763-9278. That's the number to join us. We're hanging out with Yeni Alvarez. Alvarez. I'm not saying any of that. Gracias. Mm. And Mark DeCaro. They're both incredible artists, performers, writers. Uh, they also host the uh, travel series Fork on the Road. Traveling a fork around the world, on the road. A fork on the road, traveling around the world, telling us about the wonderful places they found and the great food they've eaten. More after this on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal and 920, 9.50 a.m. KTNF. Go wild! <laughs> <laughs> You've dug your hole. <laughs> hey there, it's your guy Warren Price from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technicraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200. That's 773-248-1200 or europeanus.com. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now. At 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Now on WCPT 820. I am broadcasting remotely today. Hanging out with my friends Yenny Alvarez and Mark DiCarlo. They're, uh, they're voiceover artists. They're performers. They're writers. Uh, they're content generators. And they're also the hosts of A Fork on the Road. Uh, and they, where's the, now, what's the best place for folks to find the book and your uh, podcasts and all the wonderful things? Uh, they can go to the store on my website, which is markdecarlo.com slash store. You can get my book. And uh, because we just started with uh, Global Traveler, if you buy my book now, you get a signed copy of the book. And we give you a free trip to Cancun. So well, go, specify the free trip. It's a free stay. Free stay Cancun. at the Ocean Spa Resort in Cancun. Beautiful, right on what? the uh, beach. Yeah. It's five days, four nights. Go to markdecarlo.com slash store to get the book, and we'll also send you a certificate for the uh, 
for the stay. You can watch the podcast that we're making. Now we're doing video podcasts. Restriction this was, supply. Huh? Restriction supply. <laughs> um, we did 98 audio-only podcasts, and now we're doing audio and video. So the first one was 10 Reasons to Visit Rome. The second one is the current one, which is 10 Reasons to Move to Portugal. And you can find that on my YouTube page, which is Mark DiCarlo, or you can go to globaltravelerusa.com, read our article, watch the video, and learn all you need to know about travel. Or, or follow us on social media at, at Mark DiCarlo on Twitter, at Mark DiCarlo Instagram. TV Instagram. What is it? Mark DiCarlo TV on Instagram. And Facebook is Mark DiCarlo. All right? the Mark DiCarlo things. Right. I love it. Every time I'm talking, I look to Patty. She smiles like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy to be like, here. I'm listening. I'm so happy to be here. Go wild. I, uh... <laughs> okay, we have a couple questions that have yes. come in. And for anyone that wants to join us before we're done, we've got, we have got only have about five more minutes. So call or text 773-763-9278. We've been talking about relocating to, uh, to Portugal. So the first question... I asked you guys uh, during the break was when you move permanently out of the U.S., what happens to your Social Security, pension, and health insurance? We've talked about moving to Ireland, but know nothing about how to begin, even knowing the first, to be even understanding the first steps. Moving has no effect on your uh, pension or your social security. Well, you benefits. you have to check on every um, like if you move to North Korea, you're not going to get a pension. Right? Yes. If you're moving to North Korea, why or, or Cuba, they will not send no. your money there. But Correct. in any case, you could have your money direct deposited yes. into the, an American social- bank, and you can draw on it anywhere in the world. Pretty much, and all the uh, Cuba and Kazakhstan Korea. and all the all this. So cancel that summer trip to North Korea. And you can funny. also visit AARP to uh, AARP and, yes. and, and or the Social Security website yes. as well to find out the country that you're moving to. But um, so far, as far as I know, my friends who have moved out, they basically have their uh, Social Security money deposited into a bank account and they just withdraw from wherever they are. Mm-hmm. So make sure that you have a bank account that uh, global bank. Mm-hmm. And I think that we will, I'll, I'll try to find out some more information about how, how that's taxed as well. I think we were talking a little bit about For Portugal, the taxes are a lot less. You don't get taxed twice on a lot of things. So uh, I believe that that could be one of them. Yeah, that's one of the reasons people are flocking. Yeah. There. And have you talked to any, anyone who's relocated to Ireland? For no, our no, we have not. But I would love to go to Ireland. Have you been? No, I have <gasps> not. Well, you, I want to go to Ireland with you. Ah, or or Mexico go. City. Mexico City is incredible, too. Well, that's two completely different uh, I am, hello, who are you talking to? <laughs> so let's go Ireland, Scotland. How about that? Yes, I want to go to Scotland. I want to, I definitely want to go. I want to do Fringe Fest. Okay, this is an off-air conversation. I forgot that I'm also on the air. Yes. <laughs> talking to you. The other question uh, in regards to Portugal. Did you happen to encounter? Oh, this is. They're also. I think they're part serious, maybe part joking. It says, "Do a lot of Jewish people relocate to Portugal?" Asking for a friend. Thank you. Signed, George Santos. Oh Lord, <laughs> he's done. What a. You know what though? I love it though because now he's going to tell tales and and. Tell stories on all the other criminals. We just oh, did. Okay. That's for them to decide back at the station. Alejandro's okay. sweating a little bit right now. He's oh, like, what a jerk. I think that's how I, say, I signed off on your show yesterday, so we will let that one. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> um, yeah. If I do it to you, I think you can do it to uh, me. You know what? There's, there's a big Jewish population, specifically in uh, Lisbon. Um, uh, I, I, I don't have the numbers, but there, there was a, a, a pronounced... Uh, we were there in July. When were we there? July, August, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, very peaceful, very cool. Um, the, 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 these expat communities are much like port towns in America, like uh, New Orleans or San Francisco 
uh, Chicago almost to a certain extent where you got people coming in from all over the world and some of them stay. So it's typically a more tolerant social scene because there's so many different people. Everybody has to get along. Right. Yep. I, by the way, we're all watching your dog chase his tail. He, he just caught it. He's very excited. Yeah, he is. And then he, then he loses interest in it. What was, what was I doing just now? <laughs> so we've been hanging out with uh, Yenny Alvarez and Mark DiCarlo, the host of A Fork on the Road. Uh, you have another uh, episode coming up soon about Chicago. We do. Yes. Our next episode is our... 100th episode, and it is with none other than... Joe Montagna. Toady winner, Emmy-nominated actor, all-around nice guy. Uh, I've been here in Los Angeles since I graduated from UCLA in college, and Joe Montaigne is like the welcome wagon for any of the Chicago actors that move here. A lot of Second City people come here. Joe and his wife Arlene used to have a place called Taste Chicago, a pizza place right up in I've Burbank. been there. I yeah. was with you, as a matter of fact. I know, it's closed now. Oh, no. Uh, they got out a year before COVID, so they got out wow. perfectly. But he is uh, the, the nicest. I'll give... Uh, the, I'll, I'll pay anyone a million dollars right now uh, that has a, a bad story to tell about Joe Montaigne. They, they don't exist. He's a super nice guy. That's great. So no. <laughs> and, that's, and that's, again, uh, coming up next week. That is episode number 100. 100. Next week, uh, before Christmas. Before we may Christmas. make two episodes out of it because the guy he's would, so good. He wouldn't <laughs> shut up, for God's sake. He's so hug? good, and we want to put everything that he said in there. Um, so we're going to try to put it in yeah. two episodes. Do you have a highlight from one of the things? What's one of his favorite, or, or not even most favorite? But His first big theater gig was he starred in Hair. As Burger and his <laughs> wife was in the cast too, but in, in, in this is 1969, the entire cast appears on stage naked. naked. So, uh, and his wife played the pregnant woman in the movie, in the show. So his Arlene, was- Arlene got to check out the goods before she actually started dating him. <laughs> Which, and this is 69 when you know there was not a lot of manscaping back then. <laughs> The visuals. I'm just well, saying, I, hey, you know, you, you got to admire does Joe. He, does he mention that in the podcast, or is that your own? That's my own tutorial? visualization. Fantastic. Of, Where yeah. are you visualizing <laughs> Joe Montana? Bush. Bush was in. Bush okay. was very popular right. back then. Now we're going to take a left turn, and uh, we're going to we're going to take. You a can't break. say Bush on this channel. <laughs> no, no, no. George uh, Sr. and Junior were not no. great for the country. Uh, we've been hanging out with Yanni Alvarez and Mark DiCarlo. Go to markdicarlo.com uh-huh. to find out about their podcast about your opportunity to get a voucher to stay at a resort in Cancun. Cancun, get Cancun. a signed copy of the book Beautiful and see our, uh, our all of our, listen and see all of our podcasts. Outstanding. Yanni, thank Yay, you so much thank for joining you so much us for having today. Us. Absolutely. Thanks for having us, Patty B. And go, Mojo, get that tail. Get that tail. We're Coming up in a moment, we're going to check in with uh, our, our new friend uh, from... Uh, from votes, uh, I'm sorry, co-ops and votes. Laura Vogel is going to join us in a moment on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Monaco Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer like AOC IPA and Bernie Brew, a lovingly irascible Democratic Socialist lager. A percentage of the proceeds of every beer I sell goes to helping keep Wisconsin blue and driving the Trump cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. Now available at Armanetti Wine and Spirits in Woodstock, Illinois, and Famous Liquors in Lombard as well as in Chicago at ANS Wine and Spirits, Back of the Yards, and Grand and Western Liquors, Ukrainian Village. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez. There's so much that goes on behind closed doors on WCPT 820. 
thank you for hanging out with us as we drive it home until 7. And hi to our friends in Minneapolis, St. Paul, listening on KTNF 950 AM. Go wild! <laughs> I am uh, thrilled to welcome to our show Laura Vogel from Co-Ops Votes. Uh, hey, Laura, how are you doing today? Hi, Patty. Thank you so much for having me on today. How are you? I'm very good. And I know that you grew up in the area, and we look forward to having you in the studio sometime. Whereabouts in the world do you live now? Um, I'm I'm based out of Washington D.C., but I'm really excited to to give my uh, Chicago accent a try this evening. So um, <laughs> did you hear us talking about over by there? <laughs> <laughs> Making you feel homesick a little bit? Uh, yeah, just a little bit. Now, if we start talking about pizza, um, you know, then then I don't know. We might have to have some fisticuffs over it. I don't know. Oh boy! Oh, you know what? We'll we'll line up the conversation. We'll, we'll work up to getting hungry and talking about pizza before we before we wrap up. Uh, I am excited to talk to you because you know we we do try to focus on parts of the country that I think otherwise are not being uh, addressed and and given the due attention that they need when it comes to important issues. So you know we talk to our friends uh, whether it's in Missouri, North Carolina, Ohio. We've been you know trying to connect with folks all over the country, and, and so, so tell us a little bit about co-ops votes and, and what you're doing to help people all over the country. Sure. Um, so co-ops vote is a nonpartisan program, actually, um, that uh, is specifically aimed at electric cooperative members. We do have electric cooperatives uh, around the country in 48 states. And, you know, each state is a little bit different. Each co-op is a little bit different. And so we realized that we had a niche that we could fill um, in encouraging our co-op members to go to the polls each and every election day, um, keeping in mind that the communities that they live in and the communities that they serve, um, because there are challenges, especially in these rural communities. Many of um, the communities that our co-op serve are actually persistent poverty communities, vulnerable communities. And so making sure that they're being heard um, at the polling place each and every election year is kind of where we got started with that. And, um, you know, we've, we've just kind of increased our participation um, as we've rolled it out, and we're involved in, in voter registration projects, as well as, again, you know, the main purpose is, is getting our members to go to the polls every time there is an election. And, and what are the, what's the response that you get from folks? Because a lot of the reason I've seen over the years for folks not voting and not showing up at the polls is, you know, cynicism, right? They feel like their votes don't count, that, you know, politics has gotten too divisive. I don't want to, you know, what different, and what difference does it make? They often think, well, are, are you, you know, seeing improvements as far as people feeling like they have an investment in, in really getting out there and hearing, having their voices heard? Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny, I, I hear that still um, when I travel around the country to talk to our membership about voting and why it's so important um, and why it's so important for these rural communities to be heard. I mean, the best way that they can be heard is through their vote. And, um, you know, I, I hearken to um, a story that came actually out of Virginia a couple of years ago during um, the election in 2017. And um, the Virginia legislature ended up um, hanging in the balance of one vote in um, one district. And that's how um, the Virginia legislature was decided um, when they did the recounts over and over and over again. And it was a statistical tie. They ended up pulling out someone's name from a hat. And that's how no. pretty much. the Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, that when I tell that story, I kind of say, like, do you, do you want 
your future to be determined by somebody pulling a name out of a hat or do you want your vote to count? Um, and so, you know, that seems to resonate. And especially, again, in these rural communities that we do serve, um, because rural communities are so very different than urban ones. And um, a lot of times we see that the voter turnout is actually declining at a faster rate um, than in urban areas. So that's, we're really trying to make a headway there. And for folks who are curious, including myself, can you can you explain the uh, the electric cooperatives and, and you know, because we get. Yeah, we get these letters and, you know, join this. And, and I think a lot of folks are a little bit fuzzy on, on what that means. Sure. So an electric cooperative is actually owned by the members that they serve. So um, it's, it's not like, um, you know, in Chicago, Commonwealth Edison um, serves power. They still, you know, give my parents power. Um, and, um, you know, that's kind of how I grew up was my familiarity with, with the electric company, if you will. Um, but an electric co-op is actually owned by the members that um, they serve. And part of the cool thing about a cooperative is that they're actually democratically controlled by those members. So those members can actually determine the course of the cooperative within that community. Um, and one of the reasons that co-op came into existence was, um, you know, in the 1930s, uh, rural communities didn't have power. And so these folks came together in a grassroots movement to start to get some funding for themselves to be able to have electricity in their homes and on their farms. Um, and so, you know, it kind of grew from there. And there's over 900 um, electric cooperatives, um, as I mentioned, in 48 states. Um, and they really do care about the communities that they serve. And um, it, it's a really fascinating movement to see the, the interest that they contribute into their communities. And you're also working on expanding broadband coverage, uh, which I think is so crucial uh-huh. for everyone in, in our country. I mean, around the world, you have to have access. So tell us a little bit about that that movement, because I know it's often a promise, you know, by politicians. We're going we're to expand broadband. Where are we with making sure everyone has access? Yeah, you know, electric cooperatives are taking that really seriously and um, being able to provide broadband in the communities just the way that they came in to provide electricity back in the 30s. And, um, you know, we heard stories during the pandemic of of kids in in these rural communities not being able to do their homework or um, having to drive 60 or 70 miles to a family member's home that had uh, adequate broadband so that they could do their homework and we knew that that kind of thing just that can't be. And so we continue to advocate with, um, you know, with the federal government and ensuring that they understand that um, broadband is, is important to, to every person who lives in the United States and that it's somehow not being provided in the ways that we possibly think that it could be. And so co-ops are, are the best people to deliver that broadband to those communities. And we're working hard to get the funding out there. Um, and we've got co-ops all over the country, again, that are, are working hard to start bringing broadband into um, these rural communities and these homes. And they've been really successful at it. And what is the response? What's the response from uh, from whether it's electeds or candidates? Because clearly you have you know so many people that are a part of this or the co ops across the country. Are they in their policies responsive to to the agenda, the, the sort of things that you guys are fighting for? Mm-hmm, absolutely. One of the things that that I can say is that you know between working on you know clean energy and providing broadband, these are all bipartisan issues. 
So we have a really good way to engage with elected officials when we start talking about these issues, because, you know, these co-ops in these rural communities, they're also the trusted resource in these communities. And so we are trusted by, um, you know, members of Congress or at the state house or even on the local level. And so we really do have an opportunity to engage and be successful um, on these on these issues that are, are truly, truly life or death um, importance to the communities that they serve. And what are the the ways in which, uh, you know, the, the relationship with the federal government and, and obviously you all have to have a state minister. It's a lot of layers to to sort of mm-hmm. navigate for the kind of work and the access to electricity or broadband. You know, how how does that function with is there is there federal funding that is also uh, supplementing the co-ops or is it strictly the ownership of and the funding from within? Oh yeah, it's it's federal funding for sure. Um, you know, we we've we've put in um, just recently um, for funds out of the uh, infrastructure package um, to make sure that we are accessing um, billions of dollars in grants um, to utilize to to help towards you know clean energy projects, um, to providing broadband, to working on things like you know, electric school buses and EV charging. And so, yeah, it, it, the electric cooperative model is, is slightly different than, than some other, um, you know, electric providers. And so a lot of times we have to go about it by getting, um, you know, grants versus um, tax benefits. So they've, you know, been applying for these, these grants, um, you know, recently, and we're really seeing a, a lot of, of improvements on, um, the things that are already there, but also, you know, in being at the forefront um, with renewable energy and other products like that. It's really remarkable. I, I, this is something that I'm not familiar with, and I'm excited to learn more from you about this. Uh, let me ask you just, just personally, uh, what, what did, where, you grew up in Glenview. What did you study? What did you set out in life to do? Because this is such an, a fascinating <laughs> path that you're on. I really, I'm, I'm, oh. I'm fascinated. Yeah, so um, you know, I I I I had a background in history in in college, which um, you know, I I don't really know what I wanted to do with that, but I knew that I had an interest in in sort of the um presidential history and um, you know, political history of our country. And so um from there I I ended up um going to Washington DC to get a master's degree in political management, so that's kind of where I got my my, you know, political interest and um, I did spend some time as a, an intern in Washington, kind of cutting my teeth there. And, and then I kind of realized that I wanted to not really be on the, you know, congressional campaign side of things, but sort of more working on issues that matter um, to our country and, um, you know, really started honing my interest in, in sort of that avenue of, of grassroots advocacy and political engagement on, on behalf of, of people who, who really need it. It's impressive. And, and, and so the, the work that you're doing with, uh, the, the, uh, you know, America's electric cooperatives, uh, it, was this something that you had to, did you know about this before you, you know, went down this, this, this journey path? I, I actually did not. Um, right? you know, like That's I, said, like- I, I grew up, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I, I grew up in, in, you know, as we know, in Glenview and, um, you know, got my electricity from 
um, you know, the electric company. And um, I didn't really know much about um, how cooperatives are different and how they actually are, you know, owned by the, the members um, that, that get the electricity. And, um, you know, through, through my time in Washington, D.C., I had met folks um, to get to learn a little bit more about um, what co-ops are doing and how electric cooperatives are a little bit different. And, and it just kind of turned into something that, you know, I really was really passionate about. And I, I enjoy um, working with the members. And, uh, gosh, I've been able to see a whole lot of, of this amazing country and um, be able to spend time with some really, really amazing people. What I mean, I, I as a, now I also have a degree in history, but I went the stand-up comedy route with wildly different journey, and yet <laughs> I also go to a lot of the places I'm imagining you serve. Because I mean, I never would have thought I would end up in Minot, North Dakota, or Aberdeen, South Dakota, or uh, you know, Kearney, Nebraska. Like, so uh, is there a place mm-hmm. that, like you were just? As, I mean, I I love having visited those places that I never would have otherwise. What on your journeys has uh, has surprised you? Like, is there a town that you're like, huh? I never heard of this place or I maybe heard of it and just I'm drawn to it. Yeah. You know, um, I, I was pleasantly surprised. I actually really, really loved um, Idaho and um, spending time in, in parts of outside of Boise was, um, you know, really cool. And I always, I always kind of value going back there when I have a chance because it's just a really neat place. And, Again, the people, everywhere I go, they're just so welcoming, um, and they genuinely want to hear what I have to say, and, um, you know, they, they want to make their communities better, and so it really is, is kind of a cool, um, you know, thing, a, a cool thing that I'm working with. And just as a side note, you mentioned Kearney, Nebraska, and I have to, um, you know, mention I have a colleague here who works with me on these programs. She actually went to the University of Nebraska, Kearney, so... Uh. Um, she'll be, she'll be glad she got, you know, Carney got a little bit of a shout out there. So, yeah. Oh, they were such nice people. I actually performed once at a small little bar, like a little dive bar. They you know, have a dance floor and they just throw up a microphone and you do stand up. And then I did like their hockey arena, which was fantastic. Really just one of my favorite places I've ever been to. So yes, tell her that we're, yeah. I'm a fan of, of Carney, Nebraska. And when you have, when you, you know, when you meet with people, is it like a town hall meeting that you invite people to have these conversations about how to advocate and be involved politically? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we do all of it. You know, we even have like a class that we teach to our members on how to engage with elected officials. And, you know, I always tell them the first thing uh, that's the most important part of this is is going to the polls and voting. Um, It's, it's the beginning of the relationship with the elected official, but it's also, you know, being able to go into an elected official's office and say, you know, I'm a constituent and I vote and, and here's what I think about these issues, and it's extremely important to me. And, um, you know, so we do spend time training them on that and why it's important, because I think what you mentioned earlier is a lot of people do think, oh, well, they don't care about what I have to say or my voice doesn't matter. But in, in reality, these elected officials, they work for us, and they want to hear what we have to say. They want to hear what communities have to say. And so, um, you know, it's something that I feel really strongly about. And um, I do um, have these conversations fairly regularly with, with members all over the country. 
I love that. I love that, uh, that, you know, the engagement that you have and empowering people to to knock on a door, you know, whether it's at the legislature or at their office back home in their districts. I, I, I agree. That's one of the things I've told people is, you know, call, email and, and talk to them directly, and, and especially at the local level, because they should, you know, they should also know who you are so that they they're held accountable, whether it's, uh, you know, it, it, when they're on the floor of the General Assembly or at the grocery store or on the playground, you see them like, you know, where are we? I mean, you know, you shouldn't bother them all the time. Do you have, like, for my audience, what's, what's a piece of advice you would give them for, you know, talking to an elected? Um, gosh, don't be afraid. Like, I feel like the first time I had to make a phone call to my member of Congress, I was terrified. And honestly, they're, they put their pants on the same way we do. But, you know, they, like you said, they go to the grocery store, they go to the library. They're just, you know, normal folks. Um, they just happen to have their job is is legislating. And so, you know, when you kind of think of it that way and then kind of also thinking like they, they do want to hear what I have to say. And even if we disagree, they're still going to accept what what we have to tell them. Because, again, if you remind them that you're a constituent, you know, they're keeping track of all of that. And so as long as you can... Try to agree to disagree if you don't agree on the issue and and just have a conversation. And, you know, it it really isn't as scary as people think it is. Um, and and that's what I would say. I would leave it with with, with that because it, it really is, um, you know, a great way to invest in your community. I, I agree completely. It, it's such a smart thing to to really ha- have that uh, that that platform that you have with co-op votes and then have that personal attention and, and teaching people and, and empowering them. That I think that's the biggest part of is, is you know, helping people f- realize that they are not powerless, whether it's their vote or, you know, it's, it's one thing to vote, but it's also another thing to keep showing up and, uh, and mm-hmm. hold that person accountable and tell them what you need in life. And so we've, we've been talking to Laura Vogel, uh, senior advisor, it, it, it's N-R-E-C-A. Is that accurate? Is that, is that the right? That is and I, I, yes. the, the national, uh, I don't even, there's so many letters. It's, uh, it's I, a mouthful, I know. <laughs> national, rural, national Rural Electric Cooperative Association. I always say it nice and slow because if you say it any faster, you will get sort of tripped up with it. <laughs> <laughs> and we do have a lot of listeners, you know, whether it's in Minnesota or Illinois, Wisconsin, Indiana, and areas that most likely and certainly benefit from the work that you guys do. How do they find out more about, about uh, Co-op's Vote? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, they can go simple. It's um, We have a website. It's called vote.coop, and they can go there, and they can click on anything to get election resources or find their polling place, um, or there's also information there on, on first-time voting, um, plus some fun little stories of, of things that we do along the way, like we participate in National Voter Registration Day, and we do a lot with youth engagement as well. Um, but we also have a second website, which this one you might have to, again, you know, it's almost a sentence, but it's all one word, voicesforcooperativepower.com. And that's where you can find issue information um, for what electric cooperatives are working on and, and what they are advocating for um, here in Washington, but also on the state and local level. 
That's incredible. I'm really, I'm excited to get to know you. And I, if you are visiting soon, we'd love to have you in studio and learn more. Uh, Cause it's, it's, a, a, I want to learn more. Uh, I, I'm fascinated by the reach that, that the, the, these co-ops have throughout the country and the impact that it has. And as well as the political advocacy in the sense that, you know, look, we, you know, we need to make sure that we are electing people who are, uh, are listening to our needs. Uh, is there anything you wanted to make mm-hmm. sure you share with our audience? I know a lot of times I, you know, folks prepare and they're like, I got to make sure I say this. Was there anything you want to make sure you shared with our audience? No, no. I'm just, I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to speak with you all today. And, um, you know, the one thing that is most important to me is just ensuring that you exercise your civic duty and, and go vote. And one of my little statements that I always say is that voting is my jam. I, I do it every time I have a chance and I would highly, highly encourage you all to do the same. Outstanding. Again, this is a Laura Vogel uh, Co-op's Vote. Again, a nonpartisan project of America's Electric Cooperatives. Uh, we want to make sure people stay informed. And we're going to talk to Laura again in the near future. Have a wonderful holiday season, my friend. Oh, great. Thank you so much, Patty. Thank you. Take care. We're going to take a break here and wrap up in just a moment on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal and KTNF 950 AM in Minneapolis-St. Paul. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Thanks for hanging out with us as we uh, wrap up our show here in a couple minutes. Uh, we have coming up later in the week, we are going to have a uh, fill in host on, uh, on Thursday. Our good friends uh, Megan and Dan are going to fill in from a Palatini. And I believe we're going to have Senator Dan Katowski filling in from Kids Above All. And for everyone listening, I encourage you to go to kidsaboveall.org. They are having a toy drive as we head into the uh, into the Christmas and holiday season. So helping make, make sure kids have a little bit of magic, just like every kid deserves. Uh, I really love the work that they do. And, of course, we also work with, uh, with One Aim, uh, our mission with One Aim. I'm on the board of directors there. Uh, the aim of our organization is to end gun violence. Uh, I know that a lot of folks uh, I was looking at a lot of folks talk about how oh Chicago's so violent we're not even in the top 10 when it comes to the rates of gun violence uh, and, and it, I don't know how we make this uh, understandable that the prevalence of guns the easy access to military style weapons is is really feeding uh, so much of the the, the, the the I just the child children dying from gun violence is one of the is like the number one cause of death in this country is is unacceptable and and the fact that we wake up every single day thinking oh yeah sure the fact that we can have guns cross state lines and not have any sort of uh, regulations or or background checks because the Second Amendment which is so poorly worded which don't even get me started I know I don't have a legal degree but I don't I, I'll never understand how the words well regulated militia doesn't go with the rest of the sentiment of how and why guns are used in this country. But uh, I don't know. Maybe someday I will. uh, (laughs) Maybe someday I'll. uh, Maybe I will move to another country uh, if things continue to uh, deteriorate. I should. You know, that's not a good note to end it on. I'm proud of being an American. I'm proud of the work that we do here. And I think, and I believe in our potential to do better for everyone. That's what we'll end it on. Thank you everyone for hanging out with us. Uh, driving home. Mike Crutes up next. And thank you Alejandro back at the station. Uh, look forward to talking to everybody tomorrow. Have a great night.